Is it to get God uh, to do something you want him to do? I'm glad you didn't answer, but if you was thinking yes, and that's what you've been doing when you're praying and fasting, you've been doing wrong. The whole idea about becoming a believer in, in, in Christ and having him as our Lord and our Savior, the whole idea is, is that he is Lord of all. Every decision we make, everything that we do, he is Lord. And so when we're praying and fasting, it's all about growing closer to him. Amen? You want son to know what God wants to do, then you put a fleece out in front of God, and if you can't hear from the Holy Spirit, and you find out what he wants you to do. And sometimes those decisions are not easy to do. Sometimes things go on inside your brain, and the devil is very conniving. He'll fool you. So we have to pray and fast in order to hear from him and to find out what his will is. And his will will never contradict what's in the book. Never. And so our time of praying and fasting, we got the points. Uh, uh, I don't know if I told you all, but Charlie and him got delayed. Uh, flights held them up. Uh, they didn't get through the gates in time to catch the flight, but they'll be here later. So we didn't have bulletins to give you this morning. Is that the end of the world? Inside of that was going to be the prayer points that the Church of God of Prophecy International has put out for us as a church as a whole to be points to be praying about and fasting and seeking God. And that's good. I'm not taking away from it. I don't want you to think that I am. But I want us to focus right now, today, and in the next 21 days, and even more, because we're starting another series. And it's about being overcomers. Today's message of a title, Avoiding the Hand, the Hard Questions. You see, in order for us to grow closer to God, there are some hard questions that we must face ourselves. And did you know this? That some of the decisions or the opinions that you have and you have and you have, if they are not in concert with the will of God, or some of the things that we may do that does not fall into the will of God, did you know that it affects the entire body you don't agree with me come back next week and the week after and the week after and the week after because we're going to open this up I've been asking this question for two years Lord what are we missing we sing the songs we sing the old the new we're preaching the word Sunday school teachers are teaching we're studying we're having Wednesday night services we're having youth we're having children we're having all these things, and yes, we do even have some testimonies of how God has been moving in our midst. But it seems like that something is missing. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? And I've been asking and seeking God for quite some time about this, and it seems like every time you get a little bit closer and a little more truth comes out, it's either A, helping us to grow, or it's pushing people away. So I'm going to uh, ask you this morning to be focusing on praying this week since you don't have prayer points unless you want to go online. That would be fine too. But we need to be praying for ourselves. 
We need to be seeking the will of God for ourselves. We need to be in the will of God for ourselves. And there in turn will turn around about a healthier group of people or a community, a body of believers. Right? We don't go in opposite directions if we've got one Jesus. If we've got a couple different Jesuses floating around, then we are lost. Amen? And a part of that is because we will not sit down and have those hard conversations of stuff that we don't understand or stuff that we may have been taught. We don't want to go against the man, so to speak, and say, well, I've always been told this, but what does the Bible say? It doesn't matter who said what. What matters is what the Bible says. And that's what we've got to get to. And So it's going to be a journey. And I'm going to let you know now, this journey is going to be a journey. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to take. It's going to take as long as it takes. But we're going to study and, and get into the Word of God, and we're going to apply it. And I, I beg you, if there is something that I say that you don't agree with or that you don't understand, let's sit down and have the conversation. Because one of us or both of us are missing something, and it hinders the body of Christ. It's that simple. Amen? We spend a lot of time praying to God, Lord, bring thus and such back. Lord, help this one, that one. Lord, help bring new people in. Lord, do this. Lord, do that. Well, has he got deaf ears? Then it must be something else. It must be something on our part, you reckon? And so we're starting the new year off, and we're going to be fasting. We're going to be seeking God. And by the way, you can fast. You can go without eating for the next 21 days. If that's what you and the Lord work out, then that's what you should do. People will do things that they will fast, things that they like. There's one lady in here, she's, she avoids ice cream. And that's okay because if that's a vice that you have, that you, you know, you just, you kind of like, like to have it. And so to do without it is something that is really a sacrifice that's happening that you're denying the body of. You see, that's the whole purpose. When Jesus was in the wilderness, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. The temptation came after the fact, so we know that that's going to come. But if the devil's already working inside of our midst and inside of our hearts as individuals, he don't really got to come after the fast. If anything we get is off, off-center, or off of what God's Word is, there's really nothing he's got to do, right? So that's what we're going to be covering over the next months, and I... I I urge you to take notes. I urge you to go on. I'm going to tell Charlie when he gets back to make sure he gets these messages online ASAP so that if you want to listen again, if you missed a point, because I'm telling you now, I'm not studying this out and I'm not getting up and preaching it just so i got something to fill up two hours of your time and mine and say, well, I did the preacher thing. I want to see us to be different people than what we were last week and what we were last year. Amen? That's what we need, amen? I mean, do you agree or not? Otherwise, I could go preach something else. You don't see it. And we're going to get into why some of the things that we don't see doesn't line up with the Word of God. I'm going to tell you now, it's going to get a little tight at times. I'm going to tell you now, it's going to be very elating at times. But I do know this, when we get to the end of the journey, if we do the book and we do what the Word tells us, we're going to be glad we did. So how many of you is on board?
Okay. That's more than two. That's all I need. I'm going to preach it anyway because we're walking around New York City and we hear the people up on the, in the subways and there's people walking around with Bibles and crying out and yelling out to people, repent for Jesus is coming. Some of them homeless people. Most of them probably are homeless people. I thought to myself, there's a voice crying out for the Lord. They might have smelled funny. They might have dressed different. But they was doing something that I don't see a lot of people doing. Standing in the middle of a city where you got a smelting pot of religions and of different races and different kinds of people. When they come by and nobody's beating them up for it, Maybe somebody's talking to them, but they're shouting it out. Jesus is coming soon. The reason for Christmas is Jesus. Saw it a whole lot while we were there. It did my heart good. Did our hearts good to witness to some people while we were there. Because it was good for me to realize, and know, you know what, I can still talk about Jesus, and it puts a smile on somebody's face and changes their life maybe. I don't get to minister to them all the time, but hopefully we hook them up with people in that area. But it did me good to realize that somebody would sit and listen, and they actually had hunger in their eyes and hunger in their hearts. You know how I know? Simply because stuff was just starting to flow. That's how you know. Amen? How hungry are you for Jesus today? We just sang a song, How Great Thou Art, right? How great... Grateful are we of how great he is. Amen. See, that? well, we'll get into it. You see, a child of God is not of this world. We are supernaturally empowered in ways those of this world are not. If you agree with me, nod your head, say amen or something as I read these off. We fight against evil. We guard the weak and we set the captives free. We draw our strength from Jesus. Amen? If we don't believe in that, we're wasting our times here. The only place that we get our strength from is Jesus. Anything else is false. And you'll have a quick high, just like a druggie or an alcoholic or whoever. You'll have a quick high, but it ain't long till you crash and you feel bad afterwards. And you're probably going to hurt some people in the process. Okay? So we have to draw our strength from Jesus. And the question that comes to mind is what is it that keeps us from living to our potential in Jesus? This question is not for you to look at Ken and say, well, you know, I got this about Ken. I got the No, 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 no. From this day forward on everything that we're going to discuss, look at self. Don't you worry about Ken. Ken gets out of line on something that his word sat down, let's have the conversation, let's get the Holy Ghost involved, maybe Ken will get delivered, amen? That's what we do, that's how we handle it. Because the Bible tells us in Corinthians not to compare ourselves to ourselves, why? Because it's foolishness. We look at the word, we look at Jesus, that's where we do our comparisons at. And so that question asks, are we living... To our potential in Jesus. What is it that's keeping us from it? What is it that weakens us? What is it, if you will, the kryptonite that is keeping us weak? 
and it affects us as individuals, and it goes on and it affects us as a church. This apple gets bad, that apple rubs off on this apple, and that one on that one, and the next thing you know, you got a whole bunch of bad apples. Amen? And so that's what we have to look at is self. we got to look inside. This journey is going to take several weeks, and it might take a couple of months. For all I know, it might be the last series or a series of messages the Lord gives me to preach to you. I have no idea. We better know this. We're going to do them. And better know this. If you're hungry for Jesus, there'll be nothing that'll keep you from coming back and getting more and more and more because it's going to be, have to be into it from the beginning all the way to the end. It's going to take commitment. Otherwise, we walk away, we receive nothing. We don't go anywhere. So I want you to prayerfully contemplate what we cover. And I want us to put it in action, no matter how difficult that it may be. These things that we're going to learn on this journey are going to be great for us. They might not always be comfortable. Some of it will be hard, but I do promise you that when we get to the end of it, if we'll let the Holy Ghost do the ministering work inside of us, we'll be better off in the end. Amen? It's the work that He does. So what is our greatest desire? Ask yourself that question. What is my greatest desire? I'm going to give you a hint. It's the same for each of us. Now some might say, well, is it, 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 my greatest desire is to be successful or to be the best in the field of work that I do so that I get the promotions and do these things and I advance. Some of us might say to be popular, happily married, enjoy great friendships, have good health. Or have enough resources to do anything that we fancy. Don't you, wouldn't you just like to have the money? I won't go to Hawaii this week. and I'm going to Israel next week. And I'm going to Georgia this week. Some That's what a lot of people, that's the driving force for them. And these things, are they're attractive. And some of them are even necessary. We should be wanting to have a healthy marriage. We should be wanting to have healthy friendships. But we don't have to want all the resources so we can do what we want and tickle our fancies and do what we want. Those things don't identify what our greatest desire is. Don't we know people that have all these things? How many of you watch TV? How many of you watch a movie every now and again? If you watch TV, you've got to be probably watching some movies or TV shows, little mini Many movies. Yeah. We do. And then we find our favorite actors or we find our favorite athletes or we see in magazines about the greatest CEOs that knows how to run business and do all these kinds of things. And yet, don't we find out that they realize and find out that there's something missing? How do we know that? Alcohol and drugs that they turn to, extramarital affairs that they turn to, suicide that they turn to. Name it, name it, name it. And it looks like they got everything. You might even have somebody in your family that you envy because it looks like they got it all going on. Let me tell you something, it's not measured by the stuff we have. It's not measured by the size of our bank account. It's measured by our love for Jesus Christ and Him in us, leading us and ruling us. That's how it's measured. Because the world doesn't see things that way. They'll turn to religion. 
Let me tell you something right now. This church is not a religious institute. This church is the church of Jesus Christ. Religion is what people turn to. And when they walk through the door, they, oh, I tried Jesus. I tried this God thing. And when they walk through the door, they got already got on their mind. All right, God, you got so much time to work and you got to do it this way. First pennant. First pennant of, of Christianity is you don't tell God what to do. He tells you how it's supposed to be. And if you put him in a box and you tell him you got to work this way, I got news for you, friend. You might as well get up and walk out now because he ain't going to work in your time. He ain't going to work in your way. He's going to work how he needs to work to get you where you need to be. He's going to work on this church to get us where we need to be. He's going to work on this pastor to get him where he needs to be. And if I deny him that, then who in the world am I worshiping because he ain't the God of the Bible? It's that simple. It's not hard to figure out. You see, the true satisfaction of every man and every woman is to long to know who our God is. I'm going to prove it to you. Ecclesiastes 3 and 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. I'm going to read the whole thing. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts. He was born with it. You was born to know about eternity. You was born to be a servant of God. You was born to worship Him. You was born to spend eternity with Him. Because that's the word, right? And it don't lie. See, unless this deception has gotten the upper hand on us, we instinctively long in our hearts for Jesus, the King of eternity, as He's referred to in 1 Timothy 1 and 17. Look in Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for, the, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the, of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Remember we read those scriptures through Christmas. John 1, 1. Even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. There's not a human being in this world right now that is without excuse for not knowing that God is the creator of all. He is the one true God. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Amen. You got a need today. You got to come to him. You got to worship him. You got to give him the glory most of all in worshiping him. You got to know who he is and you don't know who he is unless you get in the book. And there ain't three different ways to, to take scripture and figure out what it says. There's only one way. And that's the deception of the devil. That's the kind of stuff that he does. That's the kind of stuff he likes to pull on us. You see, authority was given to man over the earth, but we gave it back to the devil. Right in the very beginning with Adam and Eve. But God had a plan. I told you during Christmas, he had a plan. And the plan was that he would be coming to this earth wearing flesh and he would be born of a virgin. It's in the scripture. It's there. Therefore, it is true. And if you got problems with the virgin birth of Jesus and say you're a Christian, i got news for you. I don't think you are. I'm just calling it how it is because, see, that's the problem is there ain't been enough good straight talk going on over the years. We get offended at anything. You know, we did back in the fall this series of being offended. Well, this kind of goes along with it. We've got to find out what's sitting inside of our hearts that causes us to be these little weaklings. Remember Superman? 
1938 comes out Superman. You know, he's just, he can leap tall buildings in a single bound. He can do all these things. He can beat up bad guys. He can stop trains. He can do all these things. People got tired of it after about seven years. Well, the guy never loses. So they invented us something called kryptonite. And when Superman would get near it, he didn't always know it was there, but he'd just start gradually losing his strength. And before long, Liam over there could take Superman because he lost all of his strength. And it's the same thing with sin in our lives. It'll sneak up on you. It'll sneak up on you. And I'm talking about the whole counsel of God, the whole word of God. That's what we have to be careful with. But he gave us Jesus so that we could be back in power with our God. Since we are children of God, we are promised his divine nature, unselfish character, unconditional love and forgiveness, joy and peace that we just can't describe, supernatural power. We still believe in laying on our hands and healing, right? Okay. We're promised his well-being and vitality, health and safety and st stability. We're promised divine wisdom, divine knowledge, divine understanding, keen insight and creativity that comes from the Holy Ghost. He's the one that leads us on what to do. It's not the fancy pictures on the walls. It's not none of this. No, it's the Holy Ghost leading us on what is going to get people to where they need to be. It's going to get the word inside of our hearts. That's what it is. And all of these are intended to produce fruitfulness and success in our endeavors. Jesus declared that the kingdom of God is within us in Luke 17 and 21. I didn't say the kingdom of heaven. I said the kingdom of God. If that's not true, and I've heard people say that, then they don't know what they're talking about because it's pretty plain English. Look it up, Luke 17, 21. The kingdom of God is within you. It's within the church. And that's where the power comes from. But why is it that we're missing out on the power? He did say also in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's that all about? Are we just waiting to get to heaven? Or is something supposed to be happening while we're here? Right. Something's supposed to be happening while we're here. See, do we see these qualities happening in our churches or in individuals? Ask yourself that. Is there a significant difference in the people of God and the people of this world? Do followers of Jesus Christ stand out? Do we shine as lights in, the dark, in this dark generation? Let me ask you this. Is there a difference in the divorce rate among the church and society? It ain't much. The thing that I went to... Our churches have a high divorce rate back in September when Barnum did the study. What would you remember the number for the pornography? Wasn't it like 16% pastors admitted to viewing pornography? I'm not talking about in the world. I'm talking about in North America, Church of God of Prophecy. 
What's the difference there than the world? Why are our churches emptying out? Why aren't communities being changed? Ask that question. We've got to ask ourselves that question. We can't worry about the guys over there and the ones down in the next town. We've got to worry about us here. And if we get on board with Jesus, we'll be on board with them, and then we become this powerful force in the world that we were meant to be. And the devil don't have this power. He only has the power that we let him have. And he'll sneak up on us, play into our flesh. And we're going to go into this deeper in the next couple of weeks. That's how he moves in, and we are powerless. We pat ourselves on the back for all the Bible verses we know, and we visited 10,000 homes this month and drove 8,000 miles, preached 42 sermons, and 25 people got saved. Oh, we like turning in those kinds of numbers. But there are going to be people on that day that's going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you because everything you did was about you and not about me. And that's why we see this. And it ain't just the preacher. You get to join in on this too. Amen. Most of you members before I ever got saved coming here. So I'll ask that question. Am I the kryptonite? Am I so powerful that I can knock your God down? If that's the case, you need to meet who Jesus Christ is. The one who changed my life. And he's had me on a path ever since. Am I getting it all right? No, but I sure am trying. And he's loving me. And he's saying, love you back. Love them back. That's the one I'm talking about. I'm talking about that Jesus. Do you know who he is? Because I believe if somebody in here remembers when Jesus touched you in your heart and you got saved, you'd get a little bit happy right now because you know where you came from. You know what you were saved from. And this is not casting stones. The apostle Paul did the very same thing. Why do you think we got the letters in the Bible? He didn't just go in a corner somewhere and start praying about troubles that was going on. No, he faced them head on. And he brought the word what they needed to hear when he talked to the Corinthian church. He didn't go over and talk to the Laodiceans about it. No, he talked to the Corinthians because they needed the power of God and they needed correction. They needed to be lifted up. And that is not browbeating. And I come to you today and I've been coming to you for seven years begging and pleading with you to let the Spirit of God work inside of your lives to let us let some of these things that keep us separated and been apart to put it under our feet because it didn't come from Jesus. And I can't even get an amen on that this morning. Not preaching for amens. But that lets us know that's our hand on the pulse knowing where we're at. And I will stand before him someday. And I will hear, well done, good and faithful servant, because there's too many people standing in the pulpits that's not doing that. Oh, they're making you feel good, Herschel, where you're at. And they might even talk with you about John behind his back. And then go right over here and do the very same thing with him. You want to know what's going on with the churches? And it makes it hard for the guys that's been called. You know what? The devil's got a stronghold. And we deceive ourselves if we can't see truth. Amen? I know it gets tight, don't it? Because it's
sometimes when the Spirit of God gets to moving, we let him move. We let him move. Like Linda a minute ago, she wanted to clap. All for Jesus. I'm going to clap for Jesus. You join in or you don't. I love Jesus. I'm going to give Jesus glory. I'm going to speak the truth in Jesus Christ. I'm going to hold on to Jesus Christ. And some of us sat there and said, you are not going to make me shake my hands. And you know what? I ain't. And neither will the Holy Ghost if you don't let him. Oh, no, we just need to give Him glory. We need to give Him praise right now. Whatever you got inside of your lungs right now, whatever's floating around in your spirit right now, you need to give Him some glory. You need to give Him some glory. Don't be letting them rocks outside be crying out in your place. You need to give Him some glory. Yeah, trying to fan the flames. You know what? I burn a fire, and if you let it get too low, it's hard to get it started back. You got to fan the flames. Oh yeah, we can talk to our basketball teams and we can talk about our racing and we can do all these things. Or if we're in the right kind of concert, we'll stand up and shout, we'll clap our hands, we might dance a little bit, we might do these kinds of things. But are we going to fan the flames this morning? It's up to you whether or not you want the Spirit of God to come into this house and do something different. It's up to you whether or not you want the Spirit of God to come into your life and do something different. It's up to you whether or not you want the Spirit of God to come into your family and do something different. And it's going to take some effort. You know why I know it takes effort? Because we have kryptonite that comes and weakens us. It takes effort. It takes effort. It takes effort. It takes effort. I'm not the last guy. I'm not the other guy. I'm not the guy up there. I'm the guy that God has called to bring the word here and to get us to the place that we're reaching the people in our communities, to get us to the place that when we're dealing with junk in our lives, we can come to this altar and be set free and not keep carrying it around. Been too much of that going on. Is there a difference between the believers and unbelievers in their health and well-being? No. Do we have an abundance of resources? No. Are we able to meet the needs of others and proclaim the gospel to every person? No. See, there was a time in the Bible in 1 Kings 10, 21 and verse 27, verses 21 and 27, you don't have to pull it up. You can look it up, write it down. But there was a time that silver was considered worthless and it was stoned. You can't turn the TV on now without uh, one of these groups wanting you to buy coins so that your money will be safe. But there was a time in Solomon's day silver was worth nothing. There are ministers today who struggle due to limited resources i got two friends of mine, they're not in the church of God or prophecy that are ministers and they're working jobs, two and three jobs just to make the ends meet and afford insurance for the families. And pouring their hearts out for Jesus and getting beat down over what they preach. Didn't do this right, didn't do that right. I think I read something in the Bible, we're supposed to be content. Amen. And I thought, these are real men of God. But they still at it. They're still going forward. They're still trudging forward. You know, that's the difference in somebody who was called 
and somebody who won. You just keep on. You just keep on. There are pastors who desire to help their communities in reaching the lost, but they can't do lack of manpower. Or in some cases, you'd call that volunteers or lack of funds or lack of other resources. There are churches that have the funds, but they have the lack of manpower and the lack of the workers. See, if there's a true desire by all believers, we would not lack funds. We would not lack resources. We would not lack workers because the Spirit of God would be putting us to doing something. There would not be a lack. This is a journey. This is a journey. God wants us to bless. He wants to bless us, but He don't want our possessions possessing us. It's that simple. There was a time in ancient Israel when there was not one person in the entire nation who was poor. It's in the Bible. Did anybody know that? Let me see your hand if you knew that. Okay, let's turn there. 1 Kings 4 and 25. And Judah and Israel dwelt safely, each man under his vine and his fig tree, from Dan as far as Beersheba all the days of Solomon. Basically what that's saying, he had his own home and he had his own garden. They didn't have nobody on government assistance. So what caused them to have this kind of a life? They had this abundance. And folks, they were under the old covenant. How in the world does that happen? But we have a better covenant, a new covenant. Hebrews 8 and 6 says, But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which is established on better promises. And we got kryptonite. Whatever it is in our lives, maybe one or two things, maybe 50 things that's keeping us from being. And the devil says, come on in here, sing all you want, pay your offerings, do those kinds of things. But just don't be a power for Jesus. In the life of Jesus, we see that government leaders, tax collectors, noblemen, prostitutes, thieves, rich, poor, all types of people were drawn to him and he never did lack any resources to get it done. He had the desire to teach them. He had the desire to reach them. And the early church, many of whom walked with Jesus and all were baptized in his Holy Spirit, did just as he did. Acts 17 and 6, But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. They'd been with Jesus. The Holy Ghost was in them and leading them and they were turning the world upside down. And they didn't like it. People of the world ain't going to like it. In Acts 4 and 33, And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked You, got, you get hungry, call me. I'll share a sandwich with you. I could eat a half a sandwich for quite a while. And you could get fattened up too. See, these people were so unique that they had to tell people not to worship them. Y'all remember that, right? 
Don't you worship me. We're just men. They eliminated sicknesses and diseases from those who suffered. They shone as bright lights in the midst of a dark generation. Do our lifestyles differ significantly from our society? Do our lives shine so brightly that we are viewed as distinguished people of God? Have we made excuses and altered our theology from the Scripture? Trying to explain the promises that are meant for us away? Saying it's only just back in the Bible times, the church times. You ever heard that? I have. Almost bought into that one time reading people. I started respecting a man more than I started respecting the Word of God. And I ain't what the Word of God says. So guess what? I'm going to go with it. See, the Bible gives us answers to, the, to avoid answering the difficult questions that we have. We need to search in the Word. What if we really listen to what the Bible Scriptures tell us? Are we living, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Are we living in a generation just as Jesus did in his? 1 John 2 and 6, 6 says, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Are we walking like Jesus? That's the question for you to ask you, not me to ask you. My job's to bring the message. Your job's to let the Holy Ghost work. As we reflect on the early church, they were reaching their world. And we got to remember, folks, they didn't have one of these things. They didn't. They didn't have internet. They didn't have Facebook. By the way, you want to go? You want to know how you are? Go book it, look at your Facebook post. You'll find out how you are. I don't have it no more. I don't need it. You need me? Call me. I'll come to you. I'll answer it. If I don't answer it right away, I'll get it eventually. You need me? Call me. I'll come to you. They didn't have text messages. They didn't have newspapers. They didn't have telephones, they didn't have cars, but yet they turned their world upside down. What are we doing? You can't, you're itching to get out of here now because it's 12 o'clock. Oh, some of you didn't know, you just now looked. <laughs> some of you have been itching for 30 minutes. See, we avoid the elephant in the room saying that God doesn't move like this anymore. Have we contoured the gospel? to align with the condition that we're in so that we don't feel bad about us. Folks, I'm going to tell you, that's a lie from the devil. And that's exactly where he wants us. We aren't asking the questions about our effectiveness. Why aren't we asking the, that question? Why aren't we seeking the answer? Is it because by asking ourselves the question that we may uncover issues that we aren't willing to deal with? If we don't ask... And then act on those answers. We'll remain below the level of life that we're promised and called to. And folks, I'm going to let you know right now, and I'm not going to mince words with you, it also may have an eternal consequence. We're going to get deeper into this in the coming weeks. This journey is necessary. It won't be quick, and sometimes it will be painful. And let me tell you, it will take your effort. 
A surgeon performs surgery. Don't we all go to the doctors when we get sick? A surgeon performs surgery to remove a cancer. It's usually painful. And it usually takes some time to recover. But it saves a life. The Holy Spirit loves us more than any surgeon. And he wants to remove the cancer that is weakening us. I've got a mother-in-law who's been battling for five years and she's getting weaker and weaker. Sin does the same thing to a believer. Oh, you may be fine and you may have all kinds of energy, but are you effective for Christ? Are you able to stand up against the devil when he comes at you? He wants to take care of that cancer the Holy Spirit does. Because if he don't, ultimately it will kill us. Get this part right now. He will not do it without our consent. And it will take effort on our part. Can't just come in and say, well, that's a good message. I like that. No, you need to be contemplating this message the rest of the week and the ones to come. If you want a changed life, if you want a changed church, this is our key. Now, this don't bring the checkbooks in the door, does it? I trust him. He's going to make a way for us. I'm going to hang on to him. He's going to make a way for us. James 1 and 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, or you're deceiving yourself. If you're hearing the word, no matter how much it hurts, no matter how many people have you gathered around you, and they might even find some Bible scriptures to help you hang on to it, you're deceiving yourself. It's all or nothing. That's what it takes. See, the proof that we believe something isn't that we're saying amen and agreeing. The proof that we believe something is when we act on it. See, we have prayer service here on Sunday nights. It's the most important prayer service of, of the time. When I come back here tonight and it's a cold day, probably won't be ten of us here. Now, I'm not slapping anybody across the face. That's up to you and Jesus to work it out of. But if we really and truly believe that prayer made all the difference in the world, that's the one service we would make it to. And we would be praying. Well, preacher, I pray at home. Well, if you're getting mad at me right now, you and I both know that's a lie. You don't answer to me. You answer to him. The one who knows the thoughts and the intents of every heart. And he's crying out now. And for the next several weeks, maybe months, I don't know how long it's going to take. He's going to be crying out. Will you stay on this journey? Will you stay on this journey and be saved from the wrath that is to come? We're going to pray now. And I want you to ask some questions. You can come to the front and pray. Well, I'm going to let him do the music this morning. And I want you to ask these questions of yourself, because I'm asking them of me, okay? And I want you to pray. Ask yourself this, how does my life stand out from those of the world? And the true answer will come from the Holy Spirit. Would people say, you live like Jesus? How would your life be different if you lived like Jesus? Think about that one. Let that one sink in. How would your life be different if you lived every moment of every day like Jesus? 
probably have a lot less heartaches in your, in your world. I don't know. The Holy Spirit knows, and he's wanting to minister right now. What habits would you break? How would it change the way that you interact with the people that you're around most regularly, people you work with, family members? You know you'd wear one hat at the family reunions and another hat at church. Different one at work and a different one in the church presence. What would be different from the way that you live with your family? Ask those questions. Go ahead and start with some music George could pray with. Just something light and easy if you don't care. I'm going on this journey, folks. How many of you want to go too? I'm tired of the norm. And I do know that the Spirit of God moves. I got to see him work through my family and through us when we was in New York City with people we didn't even know. I'm tired of the norm. I'm going to go on this journey. Are you willing to go with me? If we build a have a barn building next Saturday, let's say Dave's building a barn. He's going to build like a 40 by 60 barn. I mean, he's got a lot of stuff he wants to do. Dave gets out next Saturday morning with all of his materials and his shovel and his hammer and his nails and his saw. He's going to be a while. But if about 10 of us was to head over to Dave's next Saturday morning, that job's going to get done 10 times easier and 10 times faster. So what are we going to do? be a lighthouse are you am I is our church a lighthouse to this community and if not not only do we got to ask the question now we got to obey the Lord because I can tell you this he is dying to work so Dave you're making phone calls every week thank you for that you're making connections with me I've already been shut off from making I don't know. Sometimes I'm not even allowed to find out what I did wrong. What if 10 of us was to do that? And tell people about the messages that are coming because we're going to get fixed. Or we're going to refuse to. I can tell you now, conviction's going to be heavy. We'll either disobey God or we'll obey What are we going to do? Are you going to go with me on this journey? I'm going to ask you right now in front of Jesus. Raise your hands if you want to walk on this journey. Don't raise your hands if you don't. Because it's worse to lie. The Bible says that all liars will have their place in the fire. And that means if you do lie, you got to repent. And if you're repenting, you got to get it right with God. If I lie to Allie, I got to go to Allie and I got to tell her what the truth is and ask for her forgiveness. Otherwise, it doesn't count. That's how it works. And self gets in the way all the time. Lord, in your presence, all I can do. It gets in the way all the time. Ask those questions. Come and pray, if you will, this morning. I want to know, are we in an army or are we in an entertainment center? Are we in an army or not? 
Now, I saw your hands, but you remember what I said. If you believe, it's not just agreeing with it. It's action that goes with it. That's where the true belief lies. What you believe in is what you do. And I'm not casting anything toward anybody. I want you to know that. Please understand that. Only you and God, only you and the Holy Ghost right now know what you got to do. And let Him work. I promise you what a life of abundance you will have as we go on this journey. I promise you that He's going to lift you up. I promise you that no matter how hard and how difficult that road may seem, our loving Savior will walk you through every step of the way. There'll be no condemnation on you. That's what the devil does. But he will walk you lovingly through. It takes a humble and a contrite spirit to bow down before God and to say, yes, you are in fact Lord. No matter where I'm at, no matter what's going on, you are my Lord. Come in and do something in my life. Show me the things that I need to see that I, I, you know, I've gotten so close to these things that they just made me so weak I can't even see anymore. The devil's, he's taking me to this place that I can't see spiritually anymore. I can't see what you're talking about, Lord. But don't give in to him. Don't give in to what the devil wants to do. You give in to the Holy Ghost. You see, we got to experience that word. When those disciples were walking in those towns and they'd been with Jesus and the Holy Ghost was on them, he said, you touch them. You touch them and they're going to receive healing. You touch them and they're going to receive this wisdom, this divine wisdom that he said that he would give. You touch them and they're going to be able to see things that you never thought you would see. You touch them. And they never said no to Jesus. They never said no to the Spirit of God. And they turned the world upside down. Hallelujah.